Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, three-year, 30,000-mile complimentary maintenance, and America's best warranty ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Complimentary maintenance included Hyundai approved oil and oil filter change, except for electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles, plus tire rotation, normal factory schedule maintenance intervals for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. More frequent maintenance due to severe driving conditions or conditions is excluded. Offer valid only for new 2020 or 2024 Hyundai models purchased or leased on or after February 1st, 2020. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Hi, Timmy Whispers here from Gimme the Hot Sauce Podcast. The two-way V4 features groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam, creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Fuel cell gives you the ultimate energy return, ensuring every step feels explosive and dynamic. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort for the entire game. The upper construction features a lightweight textile that reduces weight while remaining supportive and breathable. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at NewBalance.com. Oh my goodness! It's only preseason, but I'm high-field fuck! Jimmy G Buckets gets buckets! Oh my goodness! Give me the hot sauce! Bill fuck! Give me the hot sauce! What are you doing, Dragons? Did you not get the memo? Hi again, everyone. Welcome into a brand new edition of the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. And to tell you how dedicated Stacy and I are, I've been shoveling snow for a day and a half. Stacy got in at three o'clock from Chicago trying to get to San Antonio for a game tonight. But we are here to talk about sports and bring you the latest news and opinions. Stacy, uh, how are you doing out in San Antonio today? Well, Mark, you know. The dedication that it takes to to run a podcast and be on a podcast, you know, <laughs> pure hard determination, brother. Pure hard determination. Got in at three thirty last night, avoided a snowstorm in Chicago, but still got in super late. Got a game tonight. Yeah, it's, it, it was hard hustle and muscle for me. You know, you got a snowblow snowblower, but it doesn't get everything. You know, you got steps and everything else you got to take care of. Man, I feel like I'm doing a you know big time weightlifting day. My arms are sore, man. Well, Mark, you know, you make all that money over there. You should get somebody to do it for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not in your tax bracket, Stacey, but I, I get I get the idea. And Tim, Tim's AWOL. He's down in uh, Fort Myers for the second week of his vacation. He said he was going to join us. I guess he's drinking, you know, uh, boat drinks by the pool. So Tim is AWOL. We don't know where or, he is. Or, or he probably burnt so bad he can't move. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about the weekend that was. Obviously, you know, the Jerry Krause thing was terrible. We'll get to that. Uh, but first of all, what was it like for you to see some of your old teammates? They had a, a nice dinner on Thursday that was a private event, but there was a lot of media that came before and did some interviews. The guys seemed so happy to see each other. What was Thursday night like, Stacey? It was awesome. You know, it was a little it was a little um, get-together, pre-get-together, for drinks and cocktails and then it was a banquet we had to honor we got a chance to honor some people uh you know seeing neil funk come back we both had to uh you know we presented uh jerry Krause, tex winner and uh, phil jackson we said something you know said a little stuff about those guys to the 500 people that were there um it was just great seeing everybody i mean seeing john sally you know buddha edwards you know ron harper you know, Steve Kerr, you know, we don't, you don't get a chance to see these guys very often. And, uh, you know, kudos to the Bulls for making this happen and coming up with this idea of trying to get, you know, trying to bring back, bridge the gap between the 90s to where they are now, because those were so magical times in Chicago Bulls organization and history. And so, and, 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 and to that too, Mark, you know, the 90s Bulls was a special group, you know, all, all six of those championships but you can never forget about Jerry Sloan, the people who started it all, you know, artist Gilmore, Chet Walker, Bob Love, 
uh, Tom Borwinkle, all these guys who came before the championship years who kind of la- laid the foundation. You know, Dick Klein, who was the owner before Jerry and, and, the, and the group took over. Red Kerr, who was the first original coach. You know, so all these guys, you know, laid the groundwork to where we were in the 90s, and then here we are now. Yeah, it was interesting. I saw some of the media coverage of the event on Thursday, and, and John Sally was up there clowning like, like he always has. He's got the big personality. And Steve Kerr seemed genuinely touched by the fact that they centered the whole event around the Warriors coming to town so he could be a part of it. You know, the Warriors, obviously, they played well in the second half last night, but they've been going through a tough stretch. And, you know, for, for Kerr to be able to put that aside, you know, for a day and a half and just celebrate what was, I, I thought that was fantastic. It seemed like Steve was really appreciative he got a chance to be a part of that. Yeah, you know what, Mark? It gets to the point where, you know, you're getting older. You know, guys are, you know, you're losing guys, you know, and it puts puts things in perspective, you know. Um, you think about the people who who weren't there yesterday that have passed on, you know, Tex Winter, Johnny Bach, uh, you know, Jerry Krause, you know, uh, there's so many people, you know, Klein. I mean, there's so many people that have gone on, you know, and they're not coming back. And so we're all getting older, you know, uh, those championships, even though they seem recent, they still seem far a long time ago, you know. Um, and so to see these people and, and the Bulls to be doing this every two years, they're going to do this now. Michael Reinsdorf said they're going to start doing this every two years, honoring a different group, you know, every two years. Um, it's going to get to the point they're going to run out of room putting names up there. <laughs> I, hey, I told them, I said, don't put me on the ring honor. Just give me a statue. Put me out there and put me out there in the United Center where I'm just like, you know, I'm just, <laughs> that's all I want. Give me a statue. Me and Neil Funk, you know, Adam, put us all out there on a, on a, you know, on a table. You know, I'm cool with that. <clears throat> hey, how much bigger do the stories get 25 years later? I know that when, when former athletes get together and talk about the old days, man, that, that's got to be so much fun. Did you hear some crazy stories on Thursday and Friday? Yeah, it is. Everybody's got stories. You know, the stories don't change. We get older, but the stories stay <laughs> they stay current, basically. It's a, when, you, <clears throat> when you hear some of these stories, Mark, it's, it takes you back immediately to that particular time. And so when you're, when you're laughing and you're laughing with all these guys, you go, Man, that thing happened 30 years ago. I can't believe yeah. that long, but it doesn't seem that long. And to see guys laughing and having a good time, and I mean, you know, you know, Jason Caffey was there, Dickie Simpkins was there, you know, Luke Longley was there, Judd Bushler was there from that championship. The only guys who weren't there was, you know, MJ, Scotty, and Dennis Rodman. You know, those were the three right. guys glaring missing pieces. Uh, you know, Michael sent a video, you know, apologizing. Dennis sent a video, you know, he, he was trying to get in. He got snowed out. So, um, you know, but it would have been nice to have those guys there. Tony Kukoc was there. It would have been nice to have those guys there. Seeing Al Vermeil, Eric Kellen, the Bulls' original strength coaches, um, you know, just, just seeing all these old, you know, all these old guys who've been around for a long time. Uh, it was It was real cool. I saw so many people on social media were blaming the Bulls, saying, how can you put out an event without Michael and Scotty? But all people have to do is go back and listen to the interview we did with Scottie Pippen here on Give Me the Hot Sauce this summer. The the feelings, the hard feelings between Michael and Scottie, that can't be mended. I, I think that was the reason why neither one were there. What do you think? Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, we talked about that amongst ourselves, all the guys. And, you know, it gets to the point where, listen, we're, 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 we're not getting any younger, man. You know, what what those guys did and what those guys mean to the city of Chicago and what those teams mean to the city of Chicago, you know, you have to find a way to mend the fences. You have to find a way to put the pettiness behind you, um, you know, because you were brothers for so long. And brothers fight. You know, I fight with my brothers. I'm, you know, you, you fight with family members all the time, but you always find your way back because at, at the end of the day, blood is thicker than water. And hopefully those two guys will come together and and they'll iron out their differences. I don't know when that will be, you know, but hopefully it will be because, you know, if something happens to one of them, you, there's always regret. You know, maybe I should have, maybe I should have, you know, been the bigger man. Maybe I should have apologized. Maybe I should have given that last call. You don't ever want that to have that regret living with you the rest of your life when you could have squashed the beef right then and there. And speaking of regret, I know that a lot of, Bulls fans who were in the crowd yesterday at the United Center 
will regret their horrible behavior when Jerry Krause's face appeared on the United Center scoreboard and they booed the man who was the architect of six world championships and his poor widow was sitting there wanting to accept the honor that Jerry was deservedly given for all his great work with the Bulls. You made some strong comments at the start of the second half, which were right on the money. And I'm sure that someone who knew Jerry very well and knew Thelma, that, that had to be a horrible moment to observe. Yeah, my, my heart was broken for that because, you know, I, I've said this all along. You know, I understand Bulls fans' frustration with Jerry Krause during that time. And I think the last dance brought even more of that and, and you know, picked over a scab and, and, and opened the wounds of that even more. A lot of those people who might have watched The Last Dance, Mark, might not even been in the 90s. They might not even been born in the 90s. They're just kind of jumping into something they don't know anything about. So those are the kind of people I believe were booing last night. Um, what's so sad about it is Jerry's been gone, I think, seven years now. Okay. At some point, when does it stop? Because he can't hear you. He, he, he can't hear you booing. Okay. It's not doing anything to him. It's not upsetting him. It's not embarrassing him. He has a family. And what I tell people last night, I was telling some people this morning, I said, you know, what if that was your grandma? What if that was your mother, your aunt, your sister? They had to sit there and endure it. Now you hear people say, well, they weren't booing her. If you would have saw her reaction, Mark, I'm sure you saw it. Okay. Yeah. That's etched in my mind for eternity. Okay. The way she, I mean, she was shaken, visibly shaken and literally was like, I mean, got her, had her hands in the air and you could just tell that it really bothered her. This is something that she's, you know, people said, well, they've been booing for 30, 40 years. Yeah, that's true. But you see, what people and fans don't understand is, is what the family has to endure outside of sports, okay? You can hate a man because he did this to your team or that to your team. You can hate an athlete because he didn't hit a home run, he strikes out a lot, whatever. But you don't know the damage that it does to that person's family behind the scenes. When those kids are at the game, their children at small kids at the game, they hear people booing and cursing at their father. What do you think that does to a child? What do you think that does to a wife? They can't even bring their kids to the ballpark or to a basketball game because of the, the, the vileness that people will spew out about their husband or their father, you know? So people need to start thinking a little bit more about having a little bit more empathy, you know, civility, you know, and, and, and compassion because that lady is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Okay. Right. Yeah. She, she didn't deserve that. She didn't deserve that. And what, what the fans should have done, and, and I'm not saying all fans, it, it was a group of fans out there, and it was loud, Mark. I don't care what nobody says. I had, You know how we put our headset on? We kind of got noise canceling to a point where you don't hear a lot of it, but you, it was so loud you could hear it through the headset, and I was just blown away by it and just seeing her reaction and how she was. And then, and what people don't also know, Mark, when she got up to go back to her, her seat, I was told that she was still shaking and visibly upset when she went to her suite. I saw her as I was walking out the game. We were walking out to get in, you know, get in my car to go to the airport. And I saw her on the way out and I gave her a big hug and a kiss. And I told her, you know, I'm sorry for the way people acted. You know, Jerry didn't deserve that. Your family didn't deserve that. And I, I said, I don't care what anybody says. I said, that man has, has just as much right on these six championships as us players do. Because without him, and people don't want to give him credit, he didn't rebound, he didn't score, he didn't block a shot. But somebody put this team together. Someone created this team. And remember, two separate championship three-peat teams. The only two constants on both those teams were Michael and Scotty. But, you know, three through, you know, 12 were all different players. And you think about that. If Jerry Krause's name was, you know, Mr. Stone or Jerry Anderson, he'd have statues all over the city of Chicago. And I will say this, the last dance really, really brought up some, you know, stuff about him. And that was really bad. They made him be the bad guy in that, that last dance. And it wouldn't hurt Michael Jordan and Phil to bury the hatchets and be like, hey, look, we had our differences with Jerry. We didn't like some of the things he did, but you got to give the man credit. He, he helped us. He helped us win championships and he put championship teams together. How hard would that be? You can still have your differences with the man. But how hard would that be if, to say that? I mean, you go back to listen to Michael's, uh, you know, last dance. You go back and listen to his uh, acceptance speech in the Hall of Fame. He's taking shots at Jerry for the longest. 
you know, and it's just not fair. It's it's over and done with, man. Let it go. Move on. Give that man his respect. If he came out and said that, I guarantee you, the city of Chicago would be totally different if those two guys would have done that. Yeah, a lot of people think that, well, you had two all-time greats in Jordan and Pippen, so how hard could it have been to be the general manager? But you think about the way he constructed those two separate teams. He was able to acquire a high draft pick to bring you in, along with B.J. Armstrong back in 89. He would consistently bring in veteran guards, you know, your, your Trent Tuckers, uh, Craig Hodges, Bobby Hansen, And in the second three-peat, he brings in Sally and Buddha Edwards and Robert Parrish and Joe Klein. and Tyson you know, Daly. Yeah, right. He kept bringing in guys to keep it fresh, create competition within the group. Yeah, Michael and Scotty were the leaders along with, with Phil and the coaching staff, but you don't win those championships without a deep roster with versatility, and that's what the Bulls had in every one of those championship years. Well, and, and also, Mark, you know, the, the one thing, I mean, Jerry had his, Jerry had his, his, his problems too. You know, Jerry, and I love Jerry. I'm a, I'm a supporter of Jerry. But Jerry had his problems too. Jerry wanted a little bit more credit than what he was given. And, you know, GM sometimes, the one thing that separates like, like, you know, Jerry West. Jerry West is always in the background. You never see him. You never know he's around. You never, he doesn't want that limelight. You know, Jerry's had to endure a lot of different things coming up through baseball. He was bullied as he was bullied as a kid. He was bullied as like a teenager. You know, there's a lot of things that 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 in his life that has happened. A lot of people don't know about. So when you've been bullied your whole life, and now you're being bullied as an adult, basically, you know, of course you're gonna be pissed off. Of course you're gonna you want a little bit more credit. You want to show people like, hey, you know, I'm I'm better than what you think I am. You know, I want a little credit too. And that that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. That the rub when he remember when he said organizations win championships. Right. Yeah. I was on the team when he said that. And that rubbed everybody in the locker room the wrong way. You know, the the recruitment of Tony Kukos, even though that turned out to be a great move for the Bulls organization, the way he went about doing that behind the scenes upset the players as well. We're in a playoff series down 2-0 against the Knicks. And there's, you know, there's so they're sneaking Tony Kukoc, you know, Jerry sneaking Tony Kukoc in the city of Chicago to bring him in to interview him, try to sign him. And Scotty at that time was trying to get a new contract. And they were, you know, in their eyes, like, oh, you're going to deal with him, but you're not going to deal with this guy. And so that rubbed a lot of guys the wrong way. And we're in a playoff series in a playoff series for our lives down 2-0. 2-0. And that rubbed players the wrong way. So all that time, all this stuff I'm talking about was in the paper. All this stuff was out there. It's all documented. It's not made up. So that the fans who saw that have lived on that. All these little things that they've read about the newspaper or heard on talk radio that Jerry was this, Jerry did that, Jerry did this, Jerry did that. They've hung on to that. And then the last dance, and then it smooths over. Then the last dance comes. And then all of a sudden, here comes all those, these old stories and these, these, these things about him to make him look like the bad guy. Was he perfect? No. But he's a hell of a general manager. He made some big-time moves. And I will say this. Sometimes, as fans, we get spoiled. We get spoiled. When you win six championships, You and we made it look easy because there should have been eight. There should have been eight in a row. We made that look so easy. And people just think took it for granted. How many have we won since? How close right. have they been? How close have they been? And not taking anything away from any other general managers that ever come through Chicago, how many general managers have come through after Jerry has even equaled anything that he's done? Let's be honest. So when you sit up here and there's 10 teams in the NBA, Mark, it was 11, but Denver won their championship last year. There's 10 teams that haven't even won one, a single one. And the Bulls have six. And people are, are vilifying this guy when he's not even here. That just was, that was, that was bad, man. It broke my heart to see that. And I hated to see, you know, Thelma have to experience that because she's had to experience that kind of stuff for 30, 40 years and it should have been over by now. Yeah. And the sad thing, as you mentioned, just a great weekend was completely spoiled wow. by that one incident. And that's all people talked about on ESPN and in all the talk radio shows is that how terrible it was, how Chicago handled this. And I, I'm a big person on, I'm a big person like on karma. You know, karma, I, I believe in karma. You know, you do good things, good things happen for you. You do bad things, bad things, your luck is not as good, okay? First half, we're rolling. 
into that right. first half, into that first half on a bang. Like we're blowing, getting ready to blow Golden State's doors off. Come back at halftime after halftime, all that goes down. We come back in the third quarter. Uh, Clay Thompson hits two or three threes. Get back in the game. Boom, boom, boom. Whole complexion of the game changed. And I'm not saying I'm not saying it was the players. I'm not saying the players because the players probably didn't even hear it. They were in the locker room, but. You could just tell the the whole energy of the game just changed, and you know I I'm just big on karma, man. Like I, I don't know, man. Maybe the basketball guy said, "Hey, you guys don't deserve a win tonight." After that, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, because the Bulls, you know, we're looking for their fourth win in a row, which we haven't seen much of in the last couple of years. Golden State came in reeling. The Bulls played a near perfect first half, and then you know I don't know if they got tired or what. The, the cameras caught you know Kobe White pulling at his shorts in the second half. Uh, DeMar played like 41 minutes. It was, uh, you know, it, it was it was a, a situation where it looked like they kind of ran out of gas, but and Golden State shot the lights out in the second half. Yeah, you know what Golden State did? I mean, they're a veteran team, and uh, they're playing some of their younger guys because they got guys injured. And their younger guys come out and play with energy. The Kaminga came off the bench. He, had, he came into the game shooting 27% from the three-point line. 27%. So – you can blindfold yourself, Mark, and go out there and hit 27%, okay? He ends up hitting like four four or five three-pointers last night. You know, yeah. didn't miss uh, his energy. The kid from Indiana, uh, Davis uh, Davis White was a David, uh, the kid that played Jackson Indiana. Jackson Davis. Trace Jackson, Jackson Davis. Davis. Yeah. He comes out there and looks like the next coming of his dad, you know? Right, <laughs> right. So these kids came out with energy. We kind of We kind of lost ours a little bit. And they, you know what killed us was the pick and roll. They didn't, they didn't exploit it in the beginning because the Bulls played small lineup. They went with four guards again, and they didn't take advantage of it in the first quarter, in the first half. Second half, they made the adjustment. They said, hey, if the Bulls come out with this four-guard rotation, we're going to set screens and we're going to dive our big guys to the basket because the Bulls are going to rotate a guard underneath the basket to try to stop it, which they did. And that's when all the, that's when they started scoring. I got they got 60 points in the paint or something last night. Uh, in the second half, they had like forty some points in the paint. So that was the that was the difference in the game. We're going to switch up our talk to the Bears in just a second. Mark Grody, our insider, is going to join us. But first, I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, Nationwide Agent Jeff Bukovic. He does great work. If you have any needs for your home, family, or auto, contact our guy Jeff Bukovic at jeffbuk.com. He has the best jingle in the business. Stacy. Nationwide is on your side. I would take a quick time out. Coming up next, Mark Rohde with everything about the Bears and the important decisions for their future. Welcome back to Give Me the Hot Sauce. It's now our pleasure to welcome in Mark Rohde, who's done outstanding work for us all season. Of course, you listen to him on the score. He's, he's on the uh, air morning, noon, and night doing outstanding work covering the Bears and all things Chicago sports. Groats, thanks a lot. First of all, you were telling us that uh, you didn't have to worry about snow removal. Somebody took care of that for you, right? Yeah, that's been taken care of. I um, have spent two things in my life that I have worked very hard to do, and that is, uh, number one, not to have to do anything for myself. So I've uh, enjoyed the condo <laughs> slash apartment living style. And really, and I've also set up a, a single guy lifestyle where nobody depends on me for anything ever. So I, I'm really, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, I've beat the system up to this point. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that, Mark. I'm, nope. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> I don't think I've picked up a, I don't think I've picked up a snow shovel in like 40 years. <laughs> it's a great life. It's a chosen lifestyle. We all, you know. And Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. 
Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This era, we all choose a certain lifestyle. That's what I have chosen. And Stacy, I'm glad to hear that you have chosen the same life. Oh, Mark, I, th- yeah. I don't even know the last time I cut grass. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I might have been 16 the last time I cut grass or pick weeds or... Nah, no, no, no hard labor for me, brother. <laughs> no, it's it's unnecessary. If you can avoid it, avoid it. You know. So what's I, going on with what's going on with the stocking cap? Did they turn the heat off in your apartment or, or no, a bad that, hair day? I'm glad. No, I'm glad you asked that question. I just got back from a, a workout at the rec center down the block. Oh, okay. So I I uh, threw the hat on. So if I take the hat off, which I could do, but then you'll see my hair is all over the place and it's sweaty. Like Doc Brown from, uh, from <laughs> Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, leave the hat on. You look like Nick Nolte. Yeah. <laughs> it's an amalgamation of bad looks right now. So I'm going to go ahead and put this hat back on. Yeah, it looks exactly good. That why. looks good. Yes. Hey, let's let's talk some bears. Uh, I know that none of us are surprised that Luce is coming back, but do you think in the long term, best of the organization, maybe they should have looked around and see if there were better options out there? I mean, uh, the probably the, the answer is probably yes, Mark. I mean, it doesn't sound like they did much in the way of considering anything else but Matt Eberflus. But I, you know, I've been pretty steadfast in saying that Matt Eberflus did. You know, last year. I'm willing to count that out because it was a teardown and a rebuild, and that was the circumstance that it was. This year started out horribly for Matt Eberflus. He deserved the criticism he got for an 0-4 start, but then he turned things around. There is no doubt about it that there was a correlation with him taking the defense over and the defense getting better for sure. So, and and you know, there is something to be said for I think they overstate the the locker room stuff in terms of the credit they give. To Matt Eberflus, I think it's important to keep a locker room together. I think that's a little bit overstated, but it can't be forgotten that things were nuts for the Bears and they kept things together. Now, I think that just because you brought him back doesn't mean that he's not on the hot seat going into next year as well. You cannot afford to have another 0-4 start. You can't afford to have issues within your coaching staff. You can't afford to have horrible losses where you had leads and blew them um, on late leads with those being defensive breakdowns. So uh, while I do, I'm okay with the bears bringing back Matt Eberflus. I do hope that they, they look at him very closely in the next two years, presumably of what his contract is. Well, we also see that, you know, we, we had a kind of feeling that they were going to part ways with, you know, Luke Getze and the offensive guys, the quarterback coaches and all that stuff. What is out there that they could go out and go get if they're going to? Because we don't know if they're going to keep Justin Fields. We don't know. We don't know what they're what they're thinking. Because in the press conference, I, it seemed like when I heard Eberflus talk, it sounded like he was happy with Justin Fields' development, and you know Justin is this, and he was high praise for him, like he's coming back. Did you get that same feeling? I, you know, it's funny you ask that because one of my takeaways was from, and I got to be careful with this because there's a counter to everything that I'm saying right now, even within the press conference. But what I came away with is that the Bears have by no means ruled out bringing Justin Fields back to this team. In fact, I think that they will look. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. For reasons, they will go through it and look for reasons to keep Justin Fields this year. I don't know that that is what is going to happen. Um, I I lean towards, like opinion-wise, taking a shot on somebody like Caleb Williams, going all out with that number one pick. But Ryan Pohl said some things, such as, um, that he's still going to need to be blown away, which was the case last year. He was not blown away. Um, Polls talked about the standard of finding a quarterback. The first things he mentioned were the, the the human part, the leadership, the maturity, and then the tape. Those are all things that Justin Fields checks the box on. Um, the ability to handle being a quarterback here in Chicago. Justin Fields has been inconsistent on the field, but he's been, for the most part, pretty good with handling the fandom, the media, the social media, everything that goes with that. 
Um, polls said on drafting a quarterback and keeping Justin Fields, he said that that it's possible that that he could do that too. Um, that there, that he said, I think what his quote was, and you know, just paraphrasing a little bit, where there's a million things going through his head. And that he's sure that that is one of them, that is keeping Justin Fields and still drafting a quarterback. And then one other thing, too, on that in terms of little hints that maybe Justin Fields stays. Matt Eberflus said something, um, and we can read into things however we want, but I've chosen to read into this one a little bit. Fluce said that he'll continue to grow as we grow this football team, talking about yeah. Justin Fields as if he's going to be here. Now, like I said, there was a counter to all of that in, in this press conference where, you know, that both of them, or I should say more polls, talked about, look, we've got to cover all of our bases. We're going to look at everything. It's a unique situation because of all the talent at quarterback. So he did say those things, but the, the other stuff just rung a little bit louder to me because I didn't necessarily expect it. What's going on with uh, Caleb Williams? I saw a report yesterday that he's delaying his decision on applying for the NFL draft until he gets a guarantee from the Bears that they're going to trade the pick. I mean, is, is this guy going to pull a John Elway and try to force his way to a, to a team that he wants? The kid is really starting his NFL career on the wrong foot, it looks like to me. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, I, I was on the air yesterday when those tweets and some of that conversation started coming out, and my first thing was, oh, man, this is just, like, perfect that this would happen the year that the Bears have the number one overall pick. You've got Caleb Williams, one of these guys, imposing his will, and he's got every right to do that. And his father, uh, Carl, I believe his name is as well, is is in on it at two in terms of what they want and what they're thinking about. I believe, though, Mark, and you know, I hope I hope that I'm right on this that th that they will get through this and that eventually Caleb Williams' passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply will enter the draft and he'll be like anybody else. Now, maybe there is some, some room to clean up the process of the draft. Maybe that's not our country. Maybe that, maybe that shouldn't happen, but I guess my personal opinion is let's, let's revolutionize next year. Let's do that down the road. And I think that this is one of those things that if they were going to change the way the system works, and I know that there have been some quarterbacks, like you mentioned, John Elway, who have beaten the system in that regard. I think that this is more of a long-term thing. And I don't think one quarterback prospect is going to be able to change the system, no matter how much support he has behind him. So while I take all of this stuff seriously and everything that he says and everything that he tweets and everything that he likes, my opinion is, is that in the end, Caleb Williams will be in the draft and will be there for the taking for whomever wants to select him at number one or wherever he ends up being picked. Well, Mark, my biggest thing, and I started to allude to this earlier when we got on the other question, was the fact that what are they going to do with the offensive coordinator? What are they going to do for the quarterback quarterback coach? Who are they going to bring in here, whether Justin Fields is here, Kata Williams, or May is here? Who, what are they going to do, and who are they going to go get to make this thing work? Because they're, they're – I say trade to pick, get as many picks as you can, and start continue, continue to build – a team that can challenge in another year or so. That's my thinking. But I know the price tag for Justin Fields, I know that's a big issue. And you can, you know, get a cheaper first round pick with Caleb Williams and the money you don't have to worry about because it'll be a rookie contract. But who's going to want to come here? Who what offensive coordinator is going to want to come here? Because there, there hasn't been a lot of success as coordinators and developing quarterbacks here in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, like if we're just talking about Justin Fields versus let's just say Caleb Williams. 
I think that there would be more offensive coordinators lining up for Caleb Williams than Justin Fields, with the only reason being it is there's a ton of pressure to, there would be a ton of pressure to get Justin Fields right and consistent and to capitalize on the talent that we know Justin Fields has, but that would be a project that that coordinator would have to get done lickety split. And if he didn't, then Justin Fields would probably be gone. The offensive coordinator would probably be gone. And then the Bears would be bringing in a new guy. So if you really want the, the cream of the crop, I would think that the, the lean would be, if you're an OC, would be towards Caleb Williams. Now, what, what do I want? Let's just say no matter who the quarterback is. What I want this time, what they didn't have last time with Luke Getze. And, you know, I... I I thought some of the criticisms of Luke Getzey went a little bit overboard, although a lot were justified. So let me just give me that point of reference where I'm, where I'm coming from here. You've got to bring somebody in that has a decent amount, let's say two, three years at least, of legitimate play calling every game with some sort of success to go with it. Luke Getzey had zero experience in calling plays before he came to the Bears. Now, he came from a great organization, Green Bay Packers. I'm sorry I had to say that, but I said it. Um, and But it, but as an inexperienced play caller, you could see those holes in his game where Getze was good but at times, but there were also times where you're like, what's he doing? What's he calling? Why that on third and one or whatever was going on? Now, just as an example, one of the guys that they reportedly interviewed was Clint Kubiak. Um, who, you know, I, I did a deep dive on Clint Kubiak, and there's just not enough experience for him. In, in Minnesota in 2021, um, Kubiak was pro, uh, promoted to offensive coordinator, replacing his dad, by the way, Gary Kubiak. And a passing offense with Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, they were 11th. The rushing offense was 17th. Total offense was 12th. Then he goes to Denver under Nathaniel Hackett, who, as we all know, was a failure as a head coach. He took over play calling after 10 games, so he only had a small sample size there. And then last year, Clint Kubiak working under Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. That's a great guy to learn from, but he didn't call plays. So, so I'm just using his him as an example of guys that might sound good because of lineage, but not good enough for me because there's just not enough play calling. Shane Waldron, another guy from Seattle, I like what he has done with, you know, uh, Geno Smith has gotten better on his watch, so I think he's a better candidate. But still, for me and my money, not enough experience, not enough sample size, because for once, for once, it's not just the quarterback in this town. they got to get offensive coordinator right. Hey, last thing for me, Mark, Flew uh, said, his news conference that they're going to hire a defensive coordinator, but he also made it sound like he still wants to call the plays. So who's going to want that job when you're coming in basically with no power? Yeah, I mean, I guess he's got his buddy Phil Snow, who's been his advisor and sort of his advanced scout. I don't know if you bring him into the building because you'd have to find somebody like that, Mark, you know, like somebody who would be willing to concede ultimate power because what young up-and-coming defensive coordinator or even defensive coordinator who's done the job before wants to come in and just be the guy that is the practice coach as opposed to the guy who's actually calling the plays. Now, we saw Flus be fairly successful at calling plays. There were a few flubs in there for sure. So while I would not like be pounding my fist if, if Flus was still calling plays, I'd prefer to see him be freed of that to right. Be, right to be the general of the team and all of that kind of stuff and you know impose his will on the game plan more maybe sit down with whoever the play caller is and say let's really go through this and if loose had to take over play calling again then we know that he'd be capable of doing it but i think ultimately i i, I think you're right i'd like to see somebody who would be given that autonomy to call plays and to optimize that position in the name that you might get does does Eberflus is he going to be on his current contract or are they going to rework a deal to you know for the next season and sign him to another extension? Well, that's a good question. I I don't know because honestly, Stacy, I don't know how long his contract is. I know I believe it was uh, Brad Biggs who was surmising that it's a four year contract, so he'd be going into year three of a four year deal. <laughs> 
they might do that, but I, I think at this point, I think that that would be a mistake just because um, you, you just don't know. I mean, do, do we know for sure that Matt Eberflus is the guy to lead the Bears into sustained success? Again, I'm, I think it's right that they kept him. I would have pushed the yes button for Matt Eberflus for another year, but I would like the Bears to have the flexibility to move on from him if Matt Eberflus doesn't get the job done in this upcoming really important season. Hey, Groats, thank you so much for your hard work all year. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll have you back on closer to the draft. We'll break down what the Bears are going to do and, and get some ideas on what they might want to accomplish with whatever haul of picks that they have. So thanks so much. We appreciate it. And we'll make sure that Whisper sends you some more hot sauce. Okay? <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> um, yeah, next time, too, I'd like to, to delve into your awesome – is that an encyclopedia collection you have there? Shanowski, is that what I'm seeing right there? Old school, baby. Old I school. love it. I love it, man. Hey, Mark, Mark, it's it's an escape route. He can open it up and go get out of there and go through some tunnels. And get <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. See you guys. That's a, a valuable asset for a married man. But we'll talk to you later, Grody. Bye, guys. Always great to visit with Mark Brody. Stacy, he was a wonderful addition to the show, don't you think? Yeah, he is. He's he he get he's very insightful. Um, he's got a great personality, and he really knows the Bears inside out. That's why I love him on the show. Well, you and I are in the same camp. I think if they keep Fields, trade down, get get a haul of picks, I think they could be winning the division next season. I do too. I, I think they're very close. I, I like the way they ended the season. I didn't like losing to Green Bay. But I, I, I attribute to play calling in that game. I, I felt like if you're going to analyze Justin Fields' mark, that's the perfect game to do it, to analyze him. Let him let him rip it. Throw it 35 times. Let him go out there and throw the ball. Let's see what we got in this guy and give him a fair evaluation. Because I thought the game before his last home game, I thought he played well. I thought that was a stepping going to the right direction. Now, let's see how he does against our rival now. Can we knock this team out yeah. the club? Because that would have been a perfect ending the Bears beating Green Bay in Green Bay and keeping them from getting to the playoffs and Justin Fields play well. Uh, he's got the support of fans. He's got the support of his teammates. Um, you don't, I mean, I was going to ask Mark, you don't hear the players like stepping up talking about the coaches like that, you know, because most, most guys do. Most guys like, you know, I heard some players talk about Ron Rivera. You know, he's a good coach. You know, it's sad that he, you know, he got fired, whatever, you know, it's our fault. You, you don't hear People talking about the Bears coaches like that. The players talking about the Bears coaches like they do Justin Fields. So, um, like I said, I was really disappointed in the game plan, you know, they had in Green Bay. You kind of sabotage the kid, if you ask me. You know, that's just as a fan watching the game. If you're going to evaluate the kid, give him evaluation. Let him throw the ball 30, 35 times. Let's see what he can do. Open the playbook up. Last game of the year. We're not making the playoffs, but let's end on a positive note. Knock our rival out of the playoffs and have something positive going into next season. Well, for the second year in a row, the Bears are going to be the big story in the offseason to see what they do with that number one overall pick. You mentioned perfect endings, and how about the ending for uh, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan? They oh. really controlled that game against Washington. And my son, Eric, was one of the happiest people on the planet. I talked to him that <laughs> night. He was he was so happy to see his alma mater get a national championship. And, and I thought Michigan really played a dominant game on both sides of the ball. I tell you what, man, um, I was impressed. You know, Jim Harbaugh, that, in my opinion, just my opinion, Barry should have backed up a brink truck. Oh, I agree. I, I think he's ready to come to the pros now. He, he accomplished what he set out. The guy's a winner. Whether you like him or not, the guy's won at every level. He won at, he won at Stanford. He, he won at where, where was he before Stanford? Like San Jose State somewhere. He, he's been a winner. He's won at San Francisco, went to the Super Bowl with a running quarterback, Kaepernick. He he he's 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 a great he's a great motivator. He's a great quarterbacks coach. The man played quarterback. You know, I saw some drills that they were doing. They had this thing on on Instagram where they're showing like you know this is what the Bears need. This is why you need to hire this guy. And they were showing these drills where the quarterback had to throw past the shield, so he had to throw anticipate where the receiver was going to be, not follow him with his eyes, but anticipate that he was going to be in this spot and then throw the ball to it because he didn't see the receiver. He sees the receiver as he's running the route, 
but then he disappears behind this screen and you don't know where he's at. You don't know how fast he's coming out and you got to throw to an area and the receiver's got to catch it. I was like, man, that's innovative. And, and I'm like, they should have backed up the Brinks truck and said, hey, look, listen, Jim, how much is going to take? Because right. you feel like you can turn this around. You're a bear. You're a former bear. People love you. You just won a national championship at Michigan. Come on. And he's got some heat from the NCAA. Come on over here, buddy. What is it going to take? Hey, I don't know uh, how your sons get along and, and you know, if there's any, like, harsh sibling rivalry or things like that. But my, my daughter, Brooke, who, of course, is a graduate of Ohio State, went to my son's house, wore Michigan gear, and cheered for her brother's school. How's that for a love? Uh, that's, that's, that's family love right there. You know, that's family love. Because I don't know if I could have done that if I had – if my son went to Texas, <laughs> I could be wearing no Texas gear. I'll go to the game and, and hope he does well, but I'm not wearing no burnt orange or Oklahoma State colors. You can believe that. <laughs> hey, it's been a crazy week with legends leaving the business. Nick Saban at Alabama, Bill Belichick, Pete Ooh. Carroll with the Seahawks. I've never seen anything like this, and it all happened in the span of a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, you know, Nick Saban completely shocked me. Because I felt like, you know, he still had years left, um, you know, and I, and I think, you know, he's old school. He's old school. And I think that with this NIL stuff now, it's it's really hurt his recruiting because teams have been able to outbid him for players now where he was getting players before just off of in, uh, NFL potential. Guys want to get to him to get to the NFL. You're not doing that now. Guys, the kids are going for that NIL money. And, you know, Florida State is able to get people. Georgia has been able to get people. They're able to outbid Alabama. So it's been difficult for him to recruit. And then with the portal, you know, when, you know, Alabama, when the, now these kids now used to stay two or three years behind other great players and develop. Now they're like, well, if I'm not going to play here, I'm out. I'm not waiting two years to get my time. Where those other players without NIL money, they would stay marked two or three years and get their shot and then get to the NFL. But now with NIL money, you got coaches recruiting players on other teams saying, hey, you know, you're not playing here, but if you come here, we'll give you $1 million to come here and, you know, you'll start for us, plus you'll get a million dollars. Who's not going to go? It was crazy how quickly those vacancies were filled. Alabama went out and brought in the hottest coach on the market, Kalen DeBoer, who, of course, led Washington to the national title game. He's got a crazy record, something like 97 and 12. And then the Patriots, one day after Bill Belichick says, I'm moving on, they hired their linebackers coach, Jared Mayo, and I guess they, they already had that in the works. Uh, he had a kind of a, an agreement with them that he'd be the next coach. Are you surprised how quickly those vacancies were filled? Yeah, I did. Because the way, you know, when you, uh, you know, when you started talking about, you know, well, Alabama especially was shocking. I, I, it wasn't even, I mean, Nick Saban wasn't even out the door yet. And they had already yeah. got somebody, dude was already moving into his office. Like, hey, I wasn't even left yet. Um, you know, and then the New England Patriots, they always want to do things within the organization. You know, they want to handle all their business within the doors and the facilities of the Patriots. So I can see them having a, a waiting coach in place, you know, but the way Belichick was talking that he was coming back and he was willing to make some changes on his staff or whatever, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden, now he comes back and says, I'm leaving, you know, parting ways, yada, yada, and then Mayo gets the job. You know, out in Seattle, Pete Carroll. You know, Pete Carroll's been a great coach for the Seattle Seahawks for a long, long time. And, you know, to see him get, you know, get ousted is like really a shock, too, because I thought he'd be there until he, you know, the guy has infectious energy. You know, guy's like 70 years old and he, he acts like yeah. he's you know, and his players love him. They play hard for him. And uh, it's just really surprising that he was uh, let go. Hey, speaking of uh, guys in their 70s, and you mentioned Neil Funk earlier in the show. How's Neil doing? Did you get a chance? I'm sure you had a chance to visit. What's he up to these days? Yeah, he's playing a lot of golf, you know, and he's spending time with his grandkids and his wife down in Florida, Naples. Um, he says he, he never wears pants. And I said, well, I mean, <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? That sounds creepy. Are you talking about you don't wear pants in the house? Or are you talking about you just wear shorts outside? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm not wearing shorts outside. You know what I mean? I said, oh, you got to clarify that because old men walk <laughs> around naked. I don't want to hear all that, you know? Uh, but it was so it was so great seeing him. I mean, it's like riding a bike. You know, we had to do a presentation for, for Jerry and, and Tex Winter and uh, Phil Jackson. We had to get up on stage at the banquet and talk about each one of those guys. And, you know, the laughter, the joking, you know, it was just like two comedy guys coming together. That yeah. And you just like they've been separated for years. You go, man, they act like they 
they're, they're so the chemistry is so great between the two. And that's how it was. And it was just great seeing him. And uh, he was in great health. He looked good. Uh, I'm going to see him over All-Star break because I'm going down to Florida during uh, their NBA All-Star break. I'm going to go down and visit him in Naples. And uh told he's going to have to buy me lunch because, you know, he's got all the money down there. He's got he's got <laughs> money in the yard, you know, in, in Folgers cans and stuff. So, yeah, he's got to take care of his boy. But he looked good, though. Well, I'm glad you guys got a chance to catch up. I know you were busy over the weekend. Did you catch the clip of the new Cubs pitcher uh, in his broken English trying to do the Go Cubs Go thing? That, that was hilarious. Oh, uh, no, I didn't see it. Yeah, Shoda Imanaga. He is, he, you know, he doesn't speak English, but he came up to the microphone. They had a news conference to introduce him, and his first words were, Hey, Chicago, what do you say? The Cubs win today. So that, that was a great way of indoctrinating himself to the Cub faithful. They're having their big convention this weekend at the Sheridan. Well, he might. I give him credit. He know he knows history. He knows his history and how to get on people's good side. And he said he's wearing eighteen because he did research on the Cubs and he knew that Ben Zobrist was the World Series MVP. That's pretty cool too. Oh, see, see, see. He, hey, how much? How much is he? How much is he making? Fifty-three million over four years. Okay, so it's not it's not that uh, Otani money, Crazy but hey, money. no. <laughs> And you know, you know what I found. You know what I found about that Otani money. You know, he deferred like six hundred and thirty some million, right? You know yeah. why he did that? Yeah. Okay, somebody told me the other day he did that because if you defer that money, it becomes tax free after five years or something. If you defer that type of money, uh, it's it's like, yeah, I didn't know it either. The dude told me he's like, he goes, that's why he did that. I'm like, what? I go, that's a hell of a smart ass idea. Yeah, they made it sound like he did it so the Dodgers could sign yeah, more players. Yeah, and that's what I said. It's also going to help him, too. Yeah, that's what I said. I said, well, he probably did that to help them get other better players. Boom, boom, boom. But I, and, I, and when I thought about it, Mark, I said, why would he do over $600 million? Like, why wouldn't he just say, okay, I'm going to defer $200 million or something? You know what I'm saying? But I understand now because he gets a tax break after five years for deferring that type of money. Give him credit for being a smart businessman is also you oh, know, hey, being a great hey, athlete. Hey. Hey, that, that's a that's a boss move. Jeez. Hey, uh, one more Bulls question before we wrap it up. I was surprised that Javon Carter didn't play the last two games, and then Drummond only played twelve minutes last night. Now I kind of get the Drummond thing because Golden State goes small, and you're worried about matchups. But what's happened to Javon Carter in the rotation? Uh, I, I I don't know, Mark. It's it's really kind of baffling. Um, you know, I mean. I think Billy's just playing hunches. You know, I think he's playing the people who he thinks are hot, you know, which doesn't really make sense there because Drummond has been your hottest big, yeah. you know, for over two or three weeks. And, and that was my biggest fear. Those, those, there's a couple of things I feared about is when you start getting everybody back, whose role is going to change. Okay. And I felt like I was hoping that, you know, Andre's role wouldn't change going back to playing 12 minutes, which that's what he's doing now. He's gone back to 12 minutes. Um, and, and then, you know, Patrick Williams, what is his role? You know, yeah. here's a guy who's been playing out of, you know, out of his mind for a month and he's, he's starting to turn the corner for which everyone thought, oh, he's going to be a bust. And now people are excited about the potential, how good he actually can be. And then all of a sudden now you come back and he's back on the bench and it's like, and then we're starting, we're, I mean, we're starting four small guards, you know, in, in the starting lineup and we're getting out rebound. We got killed on second chance for points last night against Golden State. They're one of the top uh, offensive rebounding teams in the league. And that's without Draymond Green. You know, and they had a two big lineup. They had they had Sarich, who's 6'11", and they had uh, Looney, who's like 6'11". And, you know, both those guys, you know, they, 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 they're strong, they're physical. I mean, how many times last night did you see us get mismatched with them down on the post? They went right at us. You know, buckets, buckets. Yeah, and Kaminga was going at Zach too. Kaminga is six eight and he's strong. Well, the, the same way we were doing when when Steph Curry was on Demar or Zach, we were going at them. Steve was countering and doing the same thing. If if Zach was on someone that they could take advantage, we're going at Zach or we're going at Demar, and they did the same thing. So it was like a it was kind of like a chess match. You're gonna do it. You're gonna do this to us. We're gonna do this to you. But the adjustment, like I said, they made uh, coming out of the third quarter. Steph Curry shot the ball in the first half horrible, horrible. But he didn't chase shots. He didn't force shots. He knew his shot wasn't falling. 
uh, Clay Thompson's shot wasn't falling. So they said, okay, cool. That's when Kaminga came in, gave him a spark. But in the third quarter, in the third quarter, Steph Curry, this is why I like Steph Curry. Steph Curry realized his partner was struggling, realized, you know, he's struggling big time. The first three possessions out of, out of after timeout was Clay Thompson hitting the three. And then once he got a rhythm, because he's a rhythm shooter, once his rhythm was there, he every shot he took looked like he was going in. And then got him going. And then Steph got going. And then their inside game got going on the pick and roll because once your two guards start hitting, you gotta you gotta lend some support. Your big man's gotta stay out on this on the pick and roll too long. And then they were diving their guys right down the middle of the lane, layup or fouls every single time with their with three bigs, the rotation of the three big guys they had. We should uh, mention too, Zach has really fit in nicely uh, coming back from the foot injury. He had like twenty five, eight, and seven. In the game against Golden State and in the game previously against Houston, his defense and rebounding was one of the keys that they won. So I think, you know, everybody wants to criticize Zach, but I think we've got to give him some kudos for trying to change his game to fit in with what the Bulls were doing while they were winning. Oh, most definitely. I I thought these last two games, you know, this is what I've always envisioned Zach being like, you know, being a two-way player. And he has the ability. He's a tremendous athlete. When I tell people he has – you know, Michael Jordan athleticism, you know, people laugh at me. I'm like, no, he is a tremendous high flying athlete. And if he can somehow turn that into on the defensive end where he's getting steals in transition, he's getting over screens, he's making it difficult for the guy he's guarding. It's only going to help this team. And I think the last two games, Mark, he's, he's, he's come out and he wants to show people a different side of his game. Like, okay, you guys want to blame me and say, I'm the reason why we're losing because uh, I take bad shots or I do this or I turn the ball over. I'm going to flip the script on you. I'm going to show you why I'm an all-star. I'm going to show you why I'm a, I'm, I feel I'm an elite player. I'm going to come out here and contribute on the defensive end. I'm going to get assists. I'm going to rebound. And he's playing a complete game. I thought the game where he almost had the triple-double, I, 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 I thought it was one of his best games of the season. Yeah. I thought that, I mean, he, I mean, he, he really competed and he competed last night. You know, he went out and tried to guard, you know, uh, Steph Curry he was out there trying to guard, you know, uh, Clay Thompson. I think the biggest thing that, you know, when you put him on bigger guys, I don't care who it is, you're not going to be able to guard a SARS and you're putting Zach on those kind of guys on switches. It's just not going to work, but I think he's got a feel for what he needs to try to do. I think he understands that he needs to let other people, other teams see that, Hey, look, I'm just not a high volume shooter. I can do other things. I just, I just need to show you I can do them. You know what I'm saying? So I think now that's the thing going in his mind. I think his agents probably told him this. Show him you can do other things. Because, Mark, he's still scoring 25, 26 points a game yeah. and, and much more efficient, and he's doing other. He's getting six, seven rebounds, five or six assists. You know, I, I say DeMar, too. DeMar the other night struggled. You know, he was five for 21 or something in the game. He struggled, and then, you know, he struggled at the end of the game. And then, you know, I felt like, okay, DeMar, you're not hitting your shots. You got to let someone else do it. Because Kobe had like 30 points in that game uh, against Houston. And I thought Kobe should have been the guy who closed the game out, you know, at the end of the game. And I think, you know, that's something that they they have to look at. Whoever's going, that's got to be the person that closed the game. You got three or four options that can close games for you now. It's not just one. And you got to figure out who's got it going. And if Kobe's got it going, you got to turn the keys over to that kid, man, and let him go. Because remember, just, just a year and a half ago, everybody wanted to trade Kobe. Now look at everybody on the bandwagon now. Well, Kobe, we can't live without Kobe. Everybody talking about how good <laughs> Kobe is. But that's why you can't give up on these young players, man. You think that Zach trade talk is going to die down, or you think it's going to get hotter now that, that he's showing these other aspects of his game? I think it's going to get hotter. I, I think there's going to be some teams that uh, realize now seeing him play, seeing that he's healthy that he's moving good. He's got his athleticism there. Um, you know, he's playing under control. He's not, you know, he's not taking 25, 30 shots and not doing anything else. You know, he's playing a complete game. And I think people are going to look at him differently now. Like, Hey, this, you know, maybe this kid can be a two-way player for us. Maybe he can come in and be that third piece that we we need to get us over. And I, I keep saying, I get tired of hearing the Lakers, man. I, I, I the Lakers want to trade everybody. Lakers want to be in trades with everybody. Okay. But the Lakers don't really have anything to give up, but they're all yeah. in trade talks. You know, they want to trade. They, they want, they don't want to give up any of their players, current roster that you may want, but they'll say, listen, you can have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he gets back from hip surgery. 
You have Michael Cooper. You can have, you know, James Worthy. But we're not giving Austin Reeves. We're not giving you this guy. Yeah. That guy. And But their names come up. They're trying to get uh, DeJounte Murray in Atlanta now. They're trying to get both yeah. back in the – how can you even – how? what do you have that you can get two all-star caliber players? What, what, what on your roster? How many draft picks do you have? How many uh, roster people do you have that can equal to bring two players, not one, but both those guys on your team? Yeah, it's crazy. They think they're entitled to it because they're the Oh, Miami my Lakers. goodness. It's, it's, it's like sickening. It's like anytime there's a trade rumor, they're always involved. And it's like right. you, nobody, nobody on your roster. I mean, this that it's a big salary that you have to match a salary with salary. There's nobody on there except Anthony Davis that, that you would even want if you had to match a salary with salary. I mean, you know, do you do you want, you know, D'Lo? Do you want him? Not really. No. Not really, because he's not he's not a he's not a guy that you can trust. He's not a guy that first of all you can't trust he's gonna stay healthy. And number two, uh word had it when he came here, when Los Angeles came here to play the Bulls, he purposely tanked his performance so we wouldn't be trying to trade for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that was just it, that was just in the in the on, on online the other day. And I was like, Wow, really? Who would do that? Like why what what kind of player would sabotage his game so another team can't trade for him? I don't want to know. If you don't want to be here, we don't want you here. You want people to, you want people here. Now I would say this. If I was, if I was going to be trading people, I would look at, I'd go to Gold State. <laughs> I'd go to Gold State. I would say, hey, give me the Kaminga. Right. Give me Moses Moody. And the reason why I say to those two kids, one, because they're both like 22, 23 years old. They've been in that system now for about three or four years where they've been in a professional system with a professional coach, and they've been taught how to be pros. They're ready to go onto a team to be have a bigger role. And I think those two, after seeing Kaminga play last night, I was like, man, I, I, I if if I if we're gonna make a move, if I'm the GM, if we're gonna make a move. That would be something I would look at because they have more. Those two kids have more talent than any of those kids in LA that would come in to trade back if we made that trade to Los Angeles. So, so just a reminder. Reminder for all our loyal uh, listeners and viewers that the NBA trading deadline is February 8th. We'll be talking a lot about that in the coming weeks. Before we get out of here, we want to give you some recommendations on, on things you might watch. I'm looking forward to seeing this new uh, True Detective. You know, they come out with a new cast of characters every year. Yeah. It, start, it starts on January 14th, and they're going to have Jodie Foster as one of the detectives. Yeah, so that, that's that. going to be that's going to be interesting to see. I, I've been having nothing really that interesting. So I, I started watching the old series Twenty Four. You keep yeah. Sutherland as Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer. I didn't watch it. The, I didn't watch it the first time around. It's good, but the thing is, network TV always has limitations. You can't go so far. So you know, it, it's good. You can see some of the dialogue is a little bit watered down. And, and Kiefer Sutherland with his blonde tips at the beginning of it is kind of kind of crazy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I never really got into Twenty Four, um, you know. But like I said, I, I've heard I've heard good things. I heard some bad things about it. But um, you know, I, I, I'm 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 more on the network guys. I like I like where you can you can do more stuff. You know, the storyline right. it can be more violent if it needs to be more violent. Right. You know, yeah. it, it can be more risque if it needs to be risque. I like yeah. that. So like Reacher is still one of my favorite, one of my favorite shows. I've been watching the episodes and and I'm telling you, man, Reacher's a bad dude, man. Reacher's a bad dude. Yeah. And movie-wise, I saw, I'm a history guy. So I saw, I'm watching the movie Napoleon. And so with uh with uh my man, um uh, what's his name? Oh my god. The star, uh the guy who played the Joker. Um where's my son? Oh yeah, I know you. Yeah. Phoenix, his brother was Phoenix or something. Um, oh my God, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix. I think that's his name. Okay, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's the guy. He's he's Napoleon, and you know it talks about the rise of Napoleon and then the fall of Napoleon. So it's a it's a it's a good movie so far if you like history. A lot of people don't like history, and so when you're when you're telling history, first of all, it, it's supposed to be a French. So. So the, the the French people don't like it because it's like it's English. So like they, they didn't talk this way. They didn't act this way. You know, so a lot of people don't like it because it's not portrayed the way history said it was portrayed. But, you know, for English, for American is good because it does give you a little background of how he was. You know, he was a mastermind in war. Like he he was a really, really, really smart guy when it came to war. 
I mean, he was outnumbered many times and was able to, to like with the English, be able to, I mean, just to, just to turn the tide in just a matter of like a day, could yeah. turn the tide and win a and then he, then he then he got too confident at the end. And then as he had his little Waterloo. He got too confident, man. Because <laughs> he, he, he never was losing. And then he just got too right. confident. And then, you know, he had, you know, he got he got defeated, you know, and he was shamed. And, you know, people, the people turned on him, you know. So, but it's a good, it's a good story so far. All right. So we gave you a couple of recommendations, and then we're looking forward to seeing if this true detective uh, latest series is going to be good. So we'll talk about that next week. Uh before we get out of here. I want to tell you that if you want to spice things up during this cold weather, you can get Stacy's signature hot sauce at gimmethehotsauce.com. Gimme is G-I-M-M-E. Gimmethehotsauce.com, all one word. You can also, it's also available at your local Jewel Osco stores in Chicagoland. And if you need uh, somebody to take you around the city in these hazardous weather conditions, make sure you call Windy City Limo, right, Stace? Windy City Limo. <laughs> Oh, provide championship service. <laughs> Making a reservation is so easy. It's a slam dunk. Let Windy City bring the full court pressure of traffic to get you to your destination in style and on time. Contact us at 847 916 9300 and tell them. Bane sent you. <laughs> I can't really picture. I, I can't really picture Bane ordering a limo, but that was spot on. <laughs> you never know, baby. You never know. Nobody likes to walk, Mark. Nobody likes to walk. <laughs> and uh, Whispers is in for a big fine for missing the show. And he's got no explanation there. I'm telling you right now, he's probably sizzling like bacon. He probably can't. <laughs> he's probably soaking in buttermilk. I, I just, yeah, I don't know what he's doing. I'm gonna call him today though, see why he didn't show up. It was tardy. All right, Stacy. Well, well, good luck in San Antonio tonight. I know it's on to Cleveland after that, so hopefully the Bulls can get back on the winning side. And you're you're a good man for joining us after almost no sleep. We appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in the studio next week. Hey, listen, I'll be in next week, uh, Bulls Nation. And uh, again, hey, listen, I know it wasn't every fan last night. I know we got some loyal fans out there. I know it wasn't all our it wasn't our loyal fans, the true Bulls fans last night that did that situation with uh Mrs. Krause. Uh just the ones who were bad, shame on you. And uh yeah. we got a great fan base all across the world. And I know everybody doesn't act that way. So uh that's all I want to say. And drive home safely, BB. All right, thanks to D and Cisco for holding down the fort. We'll see you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Brand new episode coming up next week for you. Jimmy J. Buckets gets buckets.